Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Future of Flushing. I'm Vito Khaleesi. That's Jonathan Barron. And today, Christmas Day, this episode is getting released. So we figured we'd do a little themed episode for you guys and give you the 12 pictures of Christmas. Yeah, Vito, there was so many big storylines, so many big arms that really kind of uh, developed or were developed last season, stepped up, emerged during the 2023 season. And we are today going to go through some of the guys that we think could make an impact, not just somewhere in the system, but for the New York Mets in 2024. So without further ado, let's jump into it. We're going to put a bow on the 2023 season and let you guys know who to keep an eye on for 2024. And the first one we're going to do is the first guy John and I ever got a chance to speak to. And somebody we bring up quite a bit who I think sometimes, sometimes it's a little bit much, but we love the guy. It's Mike Vassell. Started the year in AA, promoted to AAA, and just ended the year dominating, right? Yeah, Vassell, like you said, was fantastic to start the year in AA. He led the league in strikeout rate minus walk rate. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. Went up to AAA, and that's a challenge for a lot of pitchers for one particular reason. And it is the rule difference, something that not a lot of people talk about. The automatic ball strike system in Vito, they use two different rule sets during the week. So Monday through Thursday, they're using an automated strike zone fully. And then on the weekend, there's a challenge system in place. The automatic strike zone, pitchers have to be pinpoint perfect. You're not fooling the computer like you could do a human eye strike zone with an actual human behind the plate calling balls and strikes. So that's always an adjustment. But Mike really showed that he kind of broke through at the AAA level when he took a no-hitter into the ninth inning uh, later in the season. So we saw him pitch in spring training last year in a big league game against the Atlanta Braves. The changeup was on display. Of course, the Futures game, he was the Mets representative. And when you talk about pitchers that could help the Mets in the starting rotation especially, you need six, seven, eight, nine guys. We see it every year, especially as teams start to transition to six-man rotations, which is becoming kind of a trend of the major leagues. Mike Vassell's at the forefront of that group of Met pitchers, that young crop that could get a chance early on. Before I started this episode, I said to John, let's keep it short. Let's not go too in deep. I wasn't that in depth. I want you at home. <laughs> I want you at home, you the listener. I want you to keep track of how much he talks for one period of time. And then I want you to know what my life is like, but I love him. Now, one more thing about Mike Vassell that John here brought up. Yes, that's like a changing of, uh, what's the word, ru- ru- a routine every single day pretty much in your career imagine if it work every day you showed up to your job and they said hey it's tuesday whole different set of rules you wouldn't like that very much no not at all and it's 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 a challenge that a lot of young pitchers face in triple a now these rules might one day make their way to the major leagues right now we're not quite there yet we'll see if it comes to fruition but one thing to really put a bow again on the mike vassal conversation is over his last eight starts of the season He allowed two runs or less in five of them. So he really buckled down, really hunkered down, and showed that he got used to those rules. He overcame. Also, let's be honest, I mean, you're facing older competition. You're facing better hitters at the AAA level compared to AA guys making better swing decisions, Mm -hmm. guys that have had experience in the major leagues. So it's a totally different cup of coffee once you make the leap from AA to AAA. 
Mike was really good, 18 strikeouts over 10 innings in his last two starts. Excited to see what 2024 has for him. Buzzer off. Let's go to the next player in our 12 players of Christmas. Uh, that would be two turtle doves. I'm not really sure. That would be Christian Scott, though, who let's just start off minor league pitcher of the year. I mean, that's there's not much of a better year you can get with that when it comes to being a pitcher in the Mets player development system. Had such an increase in innings pitched this year. Really proved himself. Somebody that I don't think had too many eyes on him before the start of the year and ended this year being somebody that fans really look at as somebody who can make an impact as soon as next year to some people. Yeah, Christian Scott played his college baseball at University of Florida, one of the blue blood uh, programs in college baseball. So that was a loaded program. Christian was pitching out of the bullpen at Florida because of how much depth there was in the starting rotation. Brandon Sprout, one of those guys, want to mention that. But then the Mets get their hands on him, and Christian Scott flourished in 2023. He was really one of the breakout pitchers in the system, and it's for two reasons, Vito. Number one, he has pinpoint control. He puts the ball where he wants to put the ball, and that was showcased with how great he was in the strikeout-to-walk ratio, 107 Ks to just 12 walks. 12 walks across three levels. That's insane. And number two, he's got three good pitches he could throw in any count. A solid four-seam fastball. He runs up to 98 miles an hour with great depth. A slider that he has, a wipeout pitch to righties. And then he mixes the changeup, and he throws it to righties and lefties. So Christian Scott was really, like I said, the breakout pitcher of 2023, if you would, in the Mets organization. He's got the goods. And here's one thing I want to point out. We're talking about a couple starting pitchers here. This conversation will have both starters and relievers as we go along. But no one's exclusive to any one role. There are starters who could be used as relievers to get their feet wet in the major leagues because of innings limits, because the Mets might need help at certain points during the season in that area. So it's not a bad thing for guys that are starters by trade to be used out of the bullpen. We've seen it a lot. You look at a guy like Brandon Woodruff with the Brewers back in the day. He came up as a reliever. How about recently retired Adam Wainwright? Not going to talk about his bullpen exploits early in his career too in depth, but it's a trend we've seen over time. Don't be surprised if some of the guys we're talking about as starters wind up debuting as relievers. I'm done. You are done. And you know what? I just want to bring up <laughs> one relief pitcher who we saw come up this year, Grant Hartwig. Mm-hmm. Found out me and Grant Hartwig have the same birthday. And I don't know when this episode's going to go out, so I don't want to... On December 25th. It's, we're li- I'm literally wearing a Santa hat. It's going out on... Oh, this- it's going out on Monday. It's going out on Christmas Day. All it's right. going out just days from now. So that's a week after the we're birthday. We're recording this the 19th. on February 10th of last year. We've made all of these predictions eight months ago. A little crystal ball action. All right, who's next, Vito? Next up is Dom Hamill. Dom Hamill, another guy, another incredible year. I'm going to stop saying another guy, another incredible year, because the whole reason they're on this list is because they had an incredible year. But started last spring training in the inter-squad game. So he started off with enough attention on him that he was able to get some action against Mets minor, uh, against Mets major leaguers, help them get used to the season, warmed up. And then he went over to the WBC, played for Team Puerto Rico with some Mets teammates like Francisco Lindor, who he also had a good appearance against in the inter-squad game we just talked about. Um, but Dom spent the entire season at AA, and um, I think something should be said about the AA team this year, about don't look at player development as a linear thing, as we always say. Player development is not linear. The AA this team, this year it was stacked. The Binghamton Rumble Ponies, as we've said many times, will likely be a team that Mets fans look back on. The 2023 Rumble Ponies and say, what a team that was to watch. So just an incredible thing to see him 
in the AA all year. 21.1% strike-to-walk ratio, one of the best in the Eastern League this year, John. Yeah, he was right there with Richard Fitz, former Yankee farmhand, of course, Fitz now. A Red Sox and the Alex Perdue you love, deal. You love Richard Fitz. R- Richard Fitz had a really good season. There we- were a lot of Yankee fans who didn't know who Richard Fitz wa- was, and there were two reasons why, why I was appalled by that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he was one of the best pitchers. Dom Hamill was right there. He was at Somerset when we went, right? He was starting that game? I don't remember who pitched for the Somerset Patriots that night. I know Tyler Stewart was on the mound for the Binghamton Rubble Ponies that night. But I do know that Dom Hamill and Fitz went head-to-head in Game 2 of the Eastern League Division Series last year in September in Somerset. And Dom Hamill threw probably his best start of the season. And this is a guy that struck out 11 batters on three occasions and had a 2-4-5 ERA from July through the end of the season. He was that good in that start. Seven and two-thirds dominant innings. Could have gotten longer if not for... Just a terrible call by the home plate umpire on a, a, a base runner interference rule, which I don't want to go too uh, deep in the rabbit hole about because we have a time limit here, clearly. But yeah, Dom Hamill, um, look, we're, we're very excited about all these guys we're we going to talk about. I don't think there's enough hype around Dom Hamill's name. I think Dom Hamill, you watch Dom Hamill, the slider, the tight dotted slider. Spin rate is a buzzword we hear a lot when we talk about pitchers. Was that pause for effect? That pause was because I lost my train of thought for a second. I thought it was for effect, and I thought it was powerful. Well, then I'm going to do it more often. I'm going to work it into the the old repertoire here. But Dom Hamill is a guy with elite spin rates. It was a thing in the draft two years ago in 2021. That was a very, very popular buzzword. Talk about the way that, um, that his repertoire was, and he had it on full display. So a guy who, after spending all of last year at AA with the Rumble Ponies, we can forecast will likely start the year in AAA. That would be the natural ascension for Dom Hamill. Um, the Mets using him in that inter-squad game, the kickoff spring training last year, really talked about their high hopes for Dom Hamill. Of course, he, he hit Mark Canna, which Mark Canna was kind of a magnet for being hit. But Dom Hamill is a guy that Mets fans should absolutely know about. He had a fantastic 2023 season. Very excited to see what 2024 holds for the young right-hander. Now let's talk about Tyler Stewart. Biggest thing about Tyler Stewart this year, 2.2 ERA was the second lowest among all minor league pitchers this year. And for most of the season, he actually held that number one spot up until he got promoted, which you're going to see some change when you get promoted to the next level. It's crazy that he was even able to stay in that second spot throughout the entire season. Allowed two runs or less in each of his 15 starts this season. And he's a dominating 6'9", which... John and I did an interview with him. You can see that on the Mets YouTube page and on this podcast. We did it in Brooklyn, and we did it standing up. And he towered over us. He did. He did. But that 6'9", Tyler Stewart gets incredible extension. What we mean by that is where the guy, where a pitcher releases the ball, how close they get to the batter. That changes the perceived velocity of a pitch, and it's really tough for a a batter to make a good swing decision Mm -hmm. having less time while the ball is in flight. Uh, Tyler Stewart's a guy that... We've seen him have big strikeout games, but he's a guy that is a dominant ground ball thrower, a ground ball rate of over 50%. He's a guy that works that slider over 50% usage of the slider. So his secondary stuff he's very confident in. He sinks the ball very well. And he'll be 24 all year next year. He's a guy that was used as a reliever in college at times, a starter, a guy that has a Tommy John surgery behind him. And, of course, there's always a failure rate whenever you go under the knife with a surgery as serious as Tommy John, Tyler Stewart surpasses innings limit last year. Very much so like Christian Scott, another one of those guys, Vito, that could be used as a reliever at some point in the major league, uh, during the major league system for the Mets. 
He is a really, really great asset. Another one of the breakout stars in the system last year. And big things ahead for Tyler Stewart in 2024. Yeah, and uh, Tyler Stewart, like John mentioned, just like Christian Scott, more innings than he'd ever had this year and still was able to just pitch at an insane rate and seemingly just not slow down. Uh, let's talk about one of the biggest names, I would say, in our system, Blade Tidwell. I think most fans are familiar with Blade at this point. Another college guy like the first uh, first four starting pitchers we've talked about, turning 23 in June, started the year at AAA, promoted to AA, helping that Rumble Ponies playoff push that we just talked so much about. And in his last 12 starts in Brooklyn, John, a 1.56 ERA, just had a really dominant season this year. Yeah, whenever Blade Tidwell was on the mound for the Cyclones, it was must-watch stuff. He was outstanding. Now, this is a guy who lives at the top of the strike zone with his fastball. And what that is, when a fastball doesn't drop, obviously over time, gravity will take any object down that's in motion. It's induced vertical break. And that is the rising effect that you see on a fastball. And Blade Tidwell excels in this. He pounds the top of the strike zone with the fastball. But he has three other secondary pitches, and they're all plus pitches. The slider that generates tons of whiff, a really good curveball with vertical break, the pitch that falls off the table, and a changeup that he had some great results with in 2023, a pitch he told us that he was really working on to make himself an even more well-rounded pitcher. He was a guy in the 2022 draft that many, many draft pundits thought could be a first-rounder. He fell to the Mets in the second round. The Mets were thrilled to have gotten a pitcher of his caliber there. We talked to Blade at spring training. He told us about the chip on his shoulder that he carries. We'd said, we said point blank, Blade, did 29 other teams mess up? And what did he say to us, Vito? He said no comment. He said no comment, and that was a comment. That was a yes. So he got the challenge of going to Binghamton last year later in the season. We got to talk to him in Binghamton as well. And you know what? In Binghamton, I think we both talked about this. The increasing confidence yes. we saw from our conversation uh -huh. with him in spring training. 100%. In spring training, he wore sunglasses. It was probably one of the first interviews he'd done. Was still like, you know, still a great conversation. Was still really fun to talk to him. But you could tell, like, he wasn't the Blade Tidwell that we spoke to in Binghamton, who was just pure confidence. Came out. And the difference in scenario shows you how confident he is. Spring training, we were just having a conversation on the backfield. Yep. Pretty low pressure, nothing going on. At Binghamton, we talked to Blade he was wearing his uniform. He walked over in full cleats on the concourse with fans in the arena, tuba players back in the background, and just the confidence we saw from that kid was so exciting to see. I really just can't wait to see what he does this year. Yeah, and, and down the stretch, he was really good of his eight starts with the Rumble Ponies. He allowed two or fewer runs in five of them. Three of them are scoreless, and for me, one of the biggest things was that whenever Blade did have a, a little bit of a misstep, especially going to A. He always bounced back. He never, he never brought a bad start yeah. out with him to the mound the next time he went out there. And that's what you love to see is the ability to shake it off, the ability to make adjustments. When you advance a league, they're going to adjust to you, you, they being the hitters. You have to adjust back, and Blade Tidwell did that. He knows he has stuff of a, a bad mf -er. I could say that, right? You can, I, I could I say think, that. I I could, it's a holiday episode. The kids say AF. They do. So, the yeah. The kids say, like, or M they say MF like like you could say Blade Tidwell MF eight. What is MF eight? Eight means like like that MF eight. Like he ate. Like eight means good. Eight means like, oh, that's like he like did really well. Like he ate that up. Okay, when you say he ate that up, yeah. Oh, the MF eight. 
I got it. Yeah. Like the the MFA. Exactly. Got it. I thought it was just an, okay. Now I get it. We're both we're both in our thirties. I'm married. old. I'm old. You you definitely speak more Gen Z. You I do. I speak a lot of Gen I Z. I live in both worlds. You yeah, know. I don't. No. No. I he don't. Lives, at all. He's basically. I'm drifting. I'm, he's a boomer. <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> I'm long gone. But Blade Tidwell is not long gone. I think Blade Tidwell. He's Gen Z, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody yeah. we're talking about is Gen Turns Z. Turns 23 in June, by the way. So still a youngster. Some, a, lot, a lot of path ahead of him. Something I want to bring up about Blade Tidwell that we spoke to him about in that interview. I asked him about how in a lot of games we'd see him uh, like on a dominant, just on a dominant hair, and then maybe like one or two guys gets on base, and then something in him snaps, and then in that moment on like three, four pitchers, he'll just get a guy out. Just like it seems almost effortless after he just hits a quick hiccup. And you remember what he said? So the pressure's on the hitter, right? He said the pressure's on the hitter, and he said he likes that feeling of his back up against the wall. Well, he showed it all year. Blade Tidwell, absolutely keep an eye on him. Likely starts the year in Double A. We don't know. It's it's not even 2024 we also yet. We don't know anything. We don't. Yeah, no, we're not. We're not trying to make projections here. Just based off of, I guess, common knowledge, common sense. A guy that came up late in the year at Double A could very well see him, especially with a lot of guys kind of quote unquote ahead of him. And that's only because the Mets have so many good young starters that are coming up the pipeline. Who do we have next, Vito? Next, we have Wander Suarez, the 23-year-old from Venezuela. Had an incredible final four starts of the year. One with Brooklyn, his last three with Binghamton. He allowed four hits in a period of 24 innings where it was just complete shutout baseball. A wild turnaround for him. Struggled somewhat through June, but really got it together. Yeah, he was. he came on like, well, I don't even know how to had to put it what he did late in the season, especially after he was promoted. He threw a seven-inning no-hitter, which was fantastic. He was Eastern League Pitcher of the Week in back-to-back weeks. He was one of the biggest strikeout pitchers in minor league baseball from July through the end of the season. He struck out 82 batters in 62 and two-thirds innings of work. He's a guy that throws a lot of strikes. He mixes speeds well, and he gets a lot of chase by keeping guys off balance. He doesn't throw overwhelmingly hard, but he's seemingly always one step ahead of opposing hitters. So he's another guy that kind of came on came on late. Coming on like gangbusters was the expression I was looking for. Gangbusters. And it just didn't come to me. Sometimes it happens, you know. You're Ghostbusters. Looking, you're looking for the expression. It's not there. You got to pull a quick audible in the brain, and then it comes to you. You slide it in. I just slid it in with the gangbusters. But another guy that had Tommy John surgery back in 2021, a full recovery, a guy who the Mets penciled him in late in the year. They gave him big starts for the Rumble Ponies as they were looking to make the playoffs, get in the playoffs. He was a big part of that. Jordan Gieber, another guy that came seemingly out of nowhere, yes. went up to Binghamton, had some big starts. Talk about Jeebs he might in a little bit. Later. He very well might. But, yeah, Suarez had a great turnaround, like you said, Vito, and one of these guys who uh, doesn't throw over overwhelmingly hard, but is he's got pitchability, as the kids like to say. So a lot of big things. Wait, do the kids like to say that? Oh, I like to say that, so I just said that. But yeah, I wouldn't say that that's like, a, like an eight. Term, like. No, it's not a Gen Z thing, but pitchability for sure. That's how I would describe Suarez. Very much so like Luis Moreno, who Ooh. also... Hmm? Transition. That's right, that's Ooh. right. Luis Moreno, who just like Suarez, was also at one point Easter League Pitcher of the Week. He won that award for the week of June 19th, 25. Right now he's pitching in winter ball in the lead-on, so keep an eye on those, on that, how he's doing down there. But this Marine, is a long one. This is a long one, but Moreno was really, really good in a six-start span from June through July, he had a 1-4-1 ERA, the fifth that matched it, didn't allow a home run, a strikeout rate over 33%. And so just another one of the very many arms the Mets have in the system who at some point, whether as a starter or a reliever, could make an impact right here in this building we're sitting at, good old City Field. 
We are at City Field. Or on the road somewhere in the major leagues. I don't know. That's a good point. You don't know where he's going to debut. Well, we got to ask all these guys what their what their song's going to be, right? We've been. I mean, we've been doing that. We've got a pretty good catalog. We do. We have a good catalog, mostly Rihanna. There's a lot of Rihanna. It's a lot of Rihanna. I don't know if that's a Gen Z thing or what. I think that's an everybody. It thing. can't be a Gen Z thing. How many songs has Rihanna come out with in the last like? I don't know. Well, she hasn't had an album in a, in a while. That's but what I'm saying. But she's still Rihanna. I mean, she's been. Does go- her music just stand the test of time? Yeah, but dude, she's been putting out music for a long time. Do you remember she was in Bring It On Two? Or was it three? You, she no. was in two or three. She I was don't know. in the, what? That's the cheerleading movie, right? Yeah, yeah. She was in. She was in one of them. Hmm. She was in one of them. She was featured musician. In one of them. I think she's been doing music for a long time, dude. I mean, like it makes sense. She has the catalog. Uh, let's let's move on though. Let's move on. Let's Enough move about on. Rihanna. No more Rihanna. No more Rihanna. But we do like Rihanna. I do like Rihanna. I thought it was actually fantastic. Super Bowl performance. A lot of people, a lot of people were weird about it. I was screaming at people at my Super Bowl party. It's a Fosse-inspired dance routine. Stop being judgmental. Now let's talk about somebody that we got to spend time with in Arizona, Nolan Clenny, a guy I think we both really got to like. Kid with a really good head on his shoulders. One earned run allowed in nine innings in AFL ball. We were there. The kid was tuned in. Split his time between double-A and triple-A in the regular season. He played some indie ball, is now with the Mets system, and he's just made that one step from the indie ball to the Mets player development system. And, you know, that's just one step from the major leagues at this point at triple-A, right? Yeah, Nolan's been a great story. He's overcome a lot in his career. Like you mentioned, playing indie ball. Now, one step away from the big leagues. Topped out of triple-A last year. Great Arizona Fall League. And the big thing with Nolan Clenny is how much whiff there is in that arm. Forget the ERA. Forget all this. Forget the ERA. When you see a strikeout rate of over 35%, that's something that catches your attention. That's not easy to do. And that's what Nolan Clenny did last year. So we we had a really good conversation with Nolan and his roommates, Trey McLaughlin, who we'll talk about in a second, and JT Schwartz. Uh, this is kind of the reliever section now, or the, the true reliever section. because You like, could call this the bullpen. You could call this the bullpen. This kind of is a call to the bullpen. Um, but yeah, Nolan Clunny is a guy that could definitely help the Mets in the bullpen this upcoming season after a really, really strong 2023 campaign, followed up by a great Arizona Fall League against some of the best uh, talent amongst all of his peers. So Nolan Clunny, keep an eye out on Nolan. Next up on the list is Trey McLaughlin. Trey McLaughlin, you could call him a local guy being from Bridgeport, Connecticut. I think Connecticut is part of local. If I, I have a ton of friends who are from Connecticut. Well, it depends what part it is. It depends, but I mean, I'm just going to say, look, I'm a, I'm a New York guy. I hear Connecticut. I look at Connecticut like Rhode Island. I basically think it's one big town. Rhode Island's, that's far. I know. I'm this, just, this is my, this is my. No, I don't mean far away. I mean, I look at Connecticut as just like some little small town. This is I my definition of it. I know it's not. If extraterrestrial New York radio goes out to where you are in Connecticut, then you're Wait, what'd you call it? Extra or not extra terrestrial? about aliens. Yeah, not not extra. Not alien ET radio. No, just just terrestrial radio. If you're getting WFAN or whatever in your town in Connecticut, you're part of the tri-state area. If you're not, you're out of the club. What if we started calling it the tribe-state area and like you're part of the tribe? Well, that's a totally different thing. No, um, I just mean like the, you're like the tribe of New Yorkers. Oh, okay. I got it. Like, like you know, like the, the, the Guardians used to call themselves the tribe because they were all. Well, that's also a different thing. That's also a different thing. Yeah. Well, Trey's from Bridgeport, so I, I think that that's, that, and, I think it's technically tri-state area. And you know why I think it's cool to call him a local guy? Because you hear Connecticut, you see Connecticut, you're going to think Yankee fan. You're mm-hmm. going to go. He's probably a Yankee fan because it's up there. Mm-hmm. Good news. He's not a Mets fan, but he's not a Yankee fan either. He grew up a Red Sox fan. Which makes sense. Makes sense, and it's cool with us. Remember the Mets Sox? 
Yeah, I, I do. Uh, Trey's a stag, by the way. Go stag. That's Fairfield. That's Fairfield University. I went to mascot. Xavier High School, and that was our their the Fairfield prep. The Rams. They're the Rams. Oh, okay. I was gonna say I've never I never heard of a stag before Fairfield. But Fairfield is. Oh, I was thinking about Fordham. I'm so Fordham wrong. Fordham is the Rams. Fordham yes. is the Rams. Fairfield, Fairfield is, is the stags. stags. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Fordham's in the Bronx. Fordham is in the Bronx. I'm yeah. just I'm mixing everything up there. You are well. Trey was another guy that we got to spend time with at the Arizona Fall League, and he told us about his bread and butter. If you missed it, check it out on the Mets YouTube page or one of the very many clips on at Mets Player Dev on Twitter, wherever you get your Mets content. But it's the splitter, and it's a pitch that Trey did not have in college. They started throwing in the Mets player development system, and it really became his, go th- his go-to pitch, one of his big weapons, and he used it very well in the AFL with nine scoreless outings during his time in Arizona. Allowed just four hits. He's still 24, turns 25 in June. And the biggest thing about Trey is that he's getting married. Congrats to Trey. That's not what I was going to go with. No, but I hope, oh. I hope the, uh, the pictures went well. I think he was I did. He was. Up. He was getting ready to go. And I saw some. Fo- oh, okay. I saw some on his Instagram. Trey, they turned out great, dude. You killed it. Good job, Trey. I had, I had no doubts. I had no, and by the way, his fiance a big uh, Seahawks fan. She is. And she's kind of converting Trey. I mean, Trey's a Jet fan, so. Oh, yeah. Trey, Trey probably had a blast as of the recording last night. As of, exactly. That's where the I was going to go. The first flexed game in Monday Night Football history. Well, was it flexed? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see that. It was not originally a Monday Night Football game. It was the first game ever flexed into Monday Night Football. That makes, well, and a great 2017 win with a backup quarterback for the Seahawks. But you guys didn't come here for Seahawks talk. You came for the Seahawks Mets. Seahawks talk. That would be a good name for a show. But anyway, the big number I was going to say about Trey, or not the big number, but the big thing to know is that he is as effective against lefties, he's a righty thrower, as he is against righties. He pitched almost evenly against both. So the platoon matchup with Trey on the mound, it doesn't matter. That splitter down the way to the lefties, untouchable. He's got a good fastball with ride to the righties, good break. So Trey McLaughlin, another guy that Mets fans should keep an eye out. It's all about developing relievers, Vito. This is such an overlooked but such an important part about winning baseball, and the Mets have a lot of options coming up through the farm system. Trey McLaughlin's another one of those options. And let's talk about Daniel Juarez right now, the 23-year-old lefty reliever. Throws a fastball known to some as the invisible. That's right. Great name. I think one thing we've learned, any ball that has a name, any pitch that has a name, it's cool. It's cool as hell. It is cool. It's cool A-H. Uh, and that ball gets a lot of whiffs. It's a pitch that has induced vertical break about 20 inches on the average, which is MLB elite. Yeah, so pretty much what that means, as I was explaining before, is fastballs, when they leave the hand, or any pitch really, gravity is going to eventually make that pitch fall. If you can fight gravity by getting enough rotation on the pitch out of the hand, it doesn't drop as much. So you compare it to the league average of where the, the balls are eventually dropping to. Juarez's fastball doesn't drop that much it actually stays it has that quote-unquote ride especially coming from the left side a very very (laughs) that's that that was brought to you by taylor can can this be seen in the shot this was brought to you by john nye the science guy juarez the invisible the, the fastball just pops it rides up and in against the lefties away from the righties and um he's also a guy that just pounds the strike zone throws a ton of strikes Walked just 18 of 226 guys faced in 2023 for a while. He had a streak where he didn't walk anybody. I remember that was a thing that you and I were talking about frequently during the summer. And he's effective against both lefties and righties. So the first lefty we've mentioned here 
in the conversation so far. Pitched double A last year, a guy that could be a triple A easily next year, possibly help the Mets in the majors at some point. Daniel Juarez out of the bullpen, the invisible. Remember it. You know what I smell? What's that? I smell breadsticks. <laughs> you know why? Because we got a former Olive Garden employee to talk about. And we got to talk about the breadstick guy, Paul Gervais, as he told us his nickname was, the breadstick guy, because he was an Olive Garden waiter, because that's how he worked himself through college to get himself to all of these pitching clinics and really work on his game. Paul Gervais, 38.6% K rate, was top 10 in all minor league baseball with a minimum of 50 innings pitch. He's a guy that can come in and just about mow down the order one time through, turns 24 in May, and in 2022, draft pick from LSU, who does a fantastic Coach O impression, I would say. He does a fantastic Coach O impression. John, you've said publicly you didn't think it was that good. I told him to his face I thought it was like 6 out of 10. I, yeah. I don't think that – I think that he was – there was a game that day. There was. And he was hot, which means that he was possibly going to pitch. Yes. So, you know, it's a lot of diaphragm work. And I, I would want him to hold some of that back to just unleash that FU four-seamer, that FU slider that Paul mows through the lineup you with. You had no hesitation about FU. Yeah, that's because it's fine, I think. But you, but it's just funny. You had, you, had, you even wrote down FU. You had no hesitation about FU. That's what but it before is. before MF scared you. Well, you told me that was okay. I did. No, I'm just saying. I'm saying I'm just surprised that yeah. like you were planning to say FU, but you were on the fence about MF. Well, I think that it's a good way to really – Put it in perspective. Yeah, cursing what is kind cool. Of, what kind of stuff this guy has? Can I say cursing is cool? I don't think I can say cursing is cool. Cursing is not cool, kids. Paul Gervais was a force to be reckoned with last season. He helped the Rumble Ponies in the playoffs after he started so dominantly with the uh, Brooklyn Cyclones of the South Atlantic League. Like Tyler Stewart, a six ten pitcher. So we interviewed both of those guys on the same day. You talked about how we stood with Tyler. We stood yeah. with Paul as well, and we felt short in both interviews, but the extension once again comes into play with Paul Gervais, like Tyler Stewart. He's just on top of batters, and with the break, the sweep on that slider, especially to the righties down and away, right-handed hitters have no time to try to pick up that slider, and it, he tunnels the pitch the same way he tunnels the four-seamer, making it even tougher for hitters to have swing decisions against Paul Gervais. And Binghamton used him in a way that I would love to see him continue to be used. I loved what they did, and that was put him in the game and let him maybe go one time through the order. And just, you know, for a guy as dominant as he was last year, obviously he'll continue to face better and better competition, so um, more challenges ahead for Paul. But you can almost just, like, set it and forget it one time through, 9 of 27 outs. He's reliable like that because he is so dominant. He was like that all year long, as you mentioned the strikeout rate close to 40%, which is that's Edwin Diaz-type stuff from 2022. Uh, Paul Gervais is a very, very exciting young arm that could really help this Mets bullpen sooner than later and uh, a fantastic 2023 season. Now we're going to move on because we only have two guys left, and we wanted to keep this short, but you know how, you know how, my, you know how my best friend is. You know how this guy is. Once you get this guy started, he's not going to stop, and that's why you guys love his information. Now we're going to talk about another one of the Arizona Fall League boys. Somebody we really we, – uh, we got to know in Arizona. Um, surprisingly, like, actually after we finished an interview, we got to learn even more about him because he came up that's and right. told us some stuff. Jordan Gieber, a very low-key guy, but a guy Mets fans should know. 
undrafted, played college at Mount St. Mary's and then Virginia Tech, and he's overcome a lot. He was in a bad car accident that left him with a concussion, and he had to relearn a lot of basic skills. But, John, why don't you tell the people about why Mets fans should know him on a pitching level? Well, he started the year with Brooklyn. Um, he missed two months, had a torn oblique. So after he kind of got past the concussion issues, had another setback. But he came on strong late in the season, especially with the Rumble Ponies Double A. 18 scoreless innings over three starts. It was three starts, six innings each, no runs allowed. Then he went to the Arizona Fall League, a guy that pitched in college. The Mets really kind of wanted to give him another challenge, especially with so much time missed during the regular season. And he answered the call. He had an especially strong start, or excuse me, strong finish to the Fall League. A guy with a four-seam fastball, a slider, and a cutter with really good late break, especially in on the lefties. And he's another guy that can help out of the bullpen. He's kind of a swing man. Think about when Robert Gesellman and Seth Lugo both came up in 2016. The Mets, I could foresee this guy, Jordan Giever, being used in a similar capacity. And a guy that's very willing to do that, he spoke with us. He doesn't really mind how he's used. He's a change of pace guy from the right side. A bit of a herky-jerky pitcher. So another one of these very, very uh, numerous arms down in the Mets player development system that could help in 2024. That's the name of the game here. That's the theme. And it's almost 40 minutes already, we were just told. But that's because there are so many guys to talk about. And we're going to wrap this episode up with Nate Lavender. Oh, yeah. Nate, what's a fun thing about Nate Lavender? Well, he's a Big Ten guy. He pitched at U of I, University of Illinois. Myself, also a Big Ten guy. You messed up your own slogan, dude. Big Ten guy like myself. I didn't want to deliver it the same way. But that's your thing. Urkel didn't stop saying, did I do that? Urkel didn't say, was it me who did that? I think one time, there was a remixed version of it. There was no remix of that. And speaking of Urkel... Nate Lavender, also a really smart guy. History and poli-sci major at U of I. No, it's no Indiana University, but it's it'll do. It's no SVA, School of Visual Arts That's in New York definitely City. definitely not. I know someone that went there, too, you other do. than you. Appeared in five spring training games in 2023, allowing no runs. Was often available to back up in case someone went shorter than planned. And in his free time, he would go to pop stroke with his family. That's right. Now, you mentioned the backup thing, and that kind of sounds like, well, what does that mean? It means that there, was always, there are always guys that are quote-unquote in reserve for Major League Spring training games. If a pitcher goes out there, they've got pitch limits, right? You know, in spring training especially, we're not trying to complete innings. We're trying to hit a certain pitch count. So if a guy throws more pitches than anticipated or doesn't get through as many innings of work as anticipated and throws more pitches, then what are we going to do now? We kind of have a set schedule in spring training. Who's pitching? How many pitches are they going to throw? Well, Nate Lavender was a guy that was often used and ready to go in, in the case of someone didn't complete as many innings or didn't retire as many batters. And he said that he really learned a lot from that, being down in the bullpen on the major league side, in the dugout on the major league side, in the clubhouse on the major league side. So it shows the Mets were really confident in Lavender's ability to come in and get major league hitters out, albeit in spring training games. He's, got, he's a guy with a low arm slot, helps him be very effective against right-handed hitters, obviously very good against the lefty as well. 86 strikeouts in 54 and a third innings of work. And he's one of the guys, especially out of the bullpen, who could be one of the first to contribute at the major league level for a couple of reasons. Number one is experience. He pitched a lot of last year at AAA. Number two, he's a college guy. And of course, number three, throws with his left hand. I'm thinking about tying my daughter's right hand behind her arm so she becomes a lefty dominant thrower. She can be the first major league pitcher, female ever, especially if I do that. We don't know. I mean, there's time. Oh, it could happen. It could happen. But throwing with the left hand, and they say catching, the two quickest ways to the majors. Well, let's wrap this one up for you all. Have yourself a Merry Christmas. We did a Christmas episode today because today is December 25th. Wanted to give you guys a little gift. That was the 12 pitchers of Christmas. And uh, 
We'll see you all in the future. And happy holidays. Let's go, Mets. And enjoy the stock music. I forgot. <laughs> Merry Christmas.